Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory." And our last passage is from Revelation chapter 5, and we'll be starting from verse 9. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honour and glory and might for ever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. This is the word of God. Um, uh, hello and welcome to SLE Church. If you're here for the first time, especially warm welcome to you. Uh, my name is Ben. I'm the senior pastor of the church, uh, along with Steve, who is not able to be here today because all his kids are sick, uh, and so he has to be at home doing daddy duty. Uh, so p- please do pray for the Tran family as they continue to battle sickness. Uh, there seems to be a lot of sickness going around at the moment, so uh, do stay healthy uh, and get well soon, uh, wherever you are. Uh, we do look forward to our regathering, all of us back together uh, in two full services in about three weeks' time, um, three, four weeks' time. So uh, hopefully we, we can get rid of these uh, winter colds and flus and whatnot and, and really uh, do come back together. Now, um, we are doing this sermon series at the moment, focusing on our church's mission, values, and vision. And we feel like it's an important series to, to do so that those who are part of our church and those who are visiting can know what, what, what we are on about But in these sermons as well, it won't just be information, but I think it will also issue a challenge for us uh, as to whether these are the things that we value in our own personal walk. Now, uh, in um, our church, we have outlines for the sermon, and I realize that not everyone downloads or prints them out. So one of the things that's written on the outline, if you were to download it, is our church's core value. This is the first of the four core values that we'll be preaching on. 
Um, you can just kind of uh, scan through that. I'll be referencing that throughout the sermon, um, but it's actually on the sheets. Uh, if you do want to spend the time on Saturday night or Sunday morning downloading the outline, that usually is helpful for you to help uh, listen to the preaching. Uh, also, the other thing that's really helpful is to have a physical Bible when you are here at church, uh, because what we'll be doing today is going through quite a few passages on this topic, um, but there'll be a couple of passages in which I'll get you to open, uh, namely Ephesians 1 and Revelation 5, uh, the passages that uh, Stacy read out to us before. Uh, one of the great things about the Bible is when you open a page, there's about 50 verses that you can scan straight away. It's easier to exposit right, what's going on when you can see the verses in context. On your phone, you might get one or two verses at the most, and then on your tablet, maybe eight or ten, but being able to scan through a physical Bible is a really uh, helpful way to be able to see what's going on. So for church and for Bible studies uh, in fellowship groups, I would recommend having a physical Bible. All right, uh, enough preamble. Uh, let's get into the, the sermon uh, by first praying to God uh, that he would speak to us through his word today. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we do give you great thanks that you're a God who reveals yourself and your purposes and plans to us, that you make known to us um, things that uh, we truly uh, have no place in knowing, really, because you are God, uh, you are eternal, you are almighty, you are holy and good, uh, and we are those who have turned our backs on you, we have rebelled against you, um, and yet you so graciously reveal yourself to us, you so clearly show us how you uh, want to save us, and you have sought to save us, you have achieved salvation through your Son, the Lord Jesus. And so we pray, Father, as we look at our first value, core value of our church, that we might see that it's not as a SLE church preference, uh, but as something that your word drives us towards. Please help us to see the utmost importance of your word and for your word to be handled and understood and applied and lived out rightly. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the first thing I'm going to get you to do is you've been sitting down a long time, I think about 40 minutes worth of sitting. Uh, I've got a question I want you to think about and have a chat with the person beside you, and that is with regards to SLE churches preaching and teaching. Uh, sorry for the first-timers, this obviously won't be applicable to you, but the question I want to ask you is, when did you first notice that it was different compared to what you've heard elsewhere? Right, when did you first uh, notice that it was different, and what was different about it? Okay, so um, please have a chat to the person beside you uh, for about 30 seconds each. Okay, share for 30 seconds. Uh, what, when did you notice it was different and what was different about it? Okay, one minute, uh, we'll come back. A very quick poll for those who are in this building, and you can play along at home if you like. Uh, did you notice that there was a difference? Put your hand up if you noticed there was some kind of difference. Okay, yeah, all right, about half, maybe a bit more. Excellent. Now, for those of us who have uh, been to different churches over our lifetimes, or you've been at a particular church long enough, you might have realized that the preaching and the teaching of each church, uh, from church to church, and even within the, uh, the, 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 the same church and the different pastors, they vary, different, uh, they vary greatly, or quite a lot, in terms of both content and style. Right? So between churches different content, different style, even within a church if there are different pastors, or maybe even within the same pastor, different content and styles. Some churches, maybe they preach verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Maybe some churches preach one verse or one word even of, of the Bible right, in a whole sermon. Some preach by topics or themes and themes. Uh, some are very motivational and very inspirational. Some are very dry, intellectual, historical, and boring. 
Uh, others uh, maybe are, are very conversational and very informal, full of stories, full of humor. And others are very serious uh, and, 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 and very theological and very deep. Um, and they're all kinds, aren't they? Uh, for some churches, there is a clear and consistent approach. Right? Every week is a very consistent, kind of you know roughly what you're going to get. And for others, it's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, right? Uh, it's all different every week, depending on who's preaching. It depends on the, the, the topic or the passage or whatever. It's all, always different. And so the question I want to ask you is, is this just a preference thing? Is it just a style, right? That, that uh, you know, is it just what people like to do, right? Is, is it, um, um, you know, for us Bible-believing Christians, is the most important thing just that, Sermons are Bible-based. That teachings are in some way, shape, or form kind of based on the Bible. Um, now, as we heard last week, the mission of SLE Church is not something that we come up with, but it's something that God's Word actually sets for us. And let me remind you what that is, right? God's mission and our mission is this, that SLE Church exists to glorify God by proclaiming Jesus Christ to everyone and by living all of our lives for Him through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? This is the, the mission of SLE Church that we showed last week was actually the mission of God for all of his churches, for all of his people. Now here at SLE Church, we seek to achieve this mission according to a number of core values, uh, not that we have created, but that we think that scriptures drive us towards, right? Core values that we think that scriptures drives us towards. That should be the kind of church that we ought to be. And first... The first of our core values, and I don't think it's just the first in terms of order or number, but the first in terms of priority, so first and foremost in priority, is the Word of God. Here at SLE Church, we greatly value the Bible, the Word of God. We want for God's Word to be the greatest authority right, in determining and shaping our identity as a church and as the Christians and members of this church, shaping our attitudes, our behaviors, our relationships, our actions, we want the, the Word of God right, to be the foundation as well as the driving force as well as the fuel for our corporate life and ministry as well as our personal life and ministry. Now, we hope that this isn't just somewhat noticeable. We really hope that it is clearly and obviously front and center in all that we do, in all that we are on about. So you may ask, right, why, why this emphasis at SLE Church, right? Is it just SLE Church's preference that we want to be known as the Bible Church, right? The Bible Teaching Church. Uh, is it just because it's our heritage, right? The founding members of this church back in 1973, 74, they came out of a very strong Bible-believing background. So this is our tradition. It's just our heritage to be Bible believers. Or is it that we want to capture this niche of the Christian market, you know, the Bible, uh, the, the, the full-on Bible kind of crowd, that's the kind of people that we want to capture, right, of the Christian market. No, right? it's much more than that. Right? It's, it's not that we want to be this because it's our preference or style. We believe that the Scriptures themselves gives us the reason why this commitment to the Word of God has to be so great why it has to be the first and foremost value that really is the foundation, the driving force, and the fuel of all that we do. And so let me spend a few moments considering the importance of the Word of God in the Bible. The very first thing that God does in the Bible is to speak 
the world into existence. Genesis 1.1, the first verse of the entire Bible of God's word says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said seven times, and God spoke. In Genesis 1, the world into existence. And in this first chapter, he declares what is good and what is not good. And in these opening chapters, he gives instructions for what it means to, to obey God. He gives instructions that are to be obeyed. Instructions about life and what it's about, what is good. And then by chapter 3, the, the third chapter of the Bible, he speaks again, but this time words of judgment and words of curse as the people that he had spoken to reject and rebel against his instruction and turn away from God. And then on and on it goes throughout the rest of scriptures that God speaks and speaks and speaks. Genesis 12, right? The next major kind of purple passage of God speaking really is, is his great word of promise to Abraham in Genesis 12. Great promises of blessings which will reverse the words of curse given in Genesis 3 at the fall. And then as we know, God keeps on calling out prophets, prophets like Moses, uh, to reveal his salvation plans. So take the Exodus out of Egypt, right? Very famous Exodus out of Egypt in, in the book of Exodus, which is the great salvation plan of the Old Testament, right? That prepares us for the great salvation plan in Jesus. God gives his word right, about everything that's to happen. Every action by God, every action by Moses, every action by the people given by God. Every reason for these actions given by God. God's word spells it all out, his salvation plan, and not just for the Exodus, but throughout the Old Testament, as God achieves his purposes through the nation of Israel, right, through, through the different stories, through different people, through different events, God's word tells, God's word explains, God's word interprets what is going on. We also know that he gives lots of commandments, doesn't he, throughout the Old Testament for holy living, right, as God's people. Laws about righteous, moral, and holy living. Laws that enable an unholy people to live in the midst of a holy God. Laws that help shape uh, a godly society and community full of justice and order and mercy and compassion. The Word of God is everything. It is what gives life. It is how we know what life is about. It is how we know God. It is how we know what God is doing. And it's how we know how we are meant to live. Now, the greatest testimony to this truth about the importance of God's word is seen to us in another beginning in John chapter 1. Right? In the beginning was the word, referencing back to Genesis 1. Right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. A few verses later, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we see here that the Son of God is described as the, as the word of God. Right? So important right, is knowing the word of God, that the word of God, the Son of God, takes on flesh. The Son of God comes into this world to reveal God, right? to reveal the Word of God. 
And as we see later on in John 14, very famous verse, is the, the word of God that shows us the way to God. It shows us the truth about God. He is the only way to life, right? Jesus says, right, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The, the word of God, the son of God, is the only way, the only truth, and the only life that we can have with God. And so we see that God speaks. The Son of God is the Word of God become flesh. And then we also see the Spirit of God is so involved in revealing God's Word to us. The Spirit of God and of Jesus Christ is the one who makes God's Word available to us in written form, right? The reason why we can trust the Bible is because of the Spirit of God. Have a listen to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, right? Speaking about the Old Testament prophecies. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You see, the Old Testament prophets, they didn't write their own words from their own ideas and from their own interpretations, but they wrote the words of God because the Spirit of God carried them to do so. In the same way, the New Testament apostles of Jesus didn't write their own words with their own interpretations and their own reasonings. John 14 tells us the promise that, that Jesus gave to the disciples who became the apostles, right? But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And disciples who walked around with Jesus, they'll be able to remember everything that Jesus says and, and write it down. Now, we could have a whole sermon, really, about why the Word of God has to be of utmost importance as a value for our church and for our lives. And certainly it'd be worth doing one day, right? It could, it could probably be a four, six, eight, ten series sermon on the importance of the Word of God. But let me just finish with one more reading, all right, from God's Word, just to highlight the importance of this value for our church. Romans 10. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. How do we come to be believers? Is by hearing the word of Christ preached and taught. You see, we have no business being a Christian church, right? a church that belongs to God and to Jesus Christ. We fail to be a church on God's mission to see people uh, glorify God by becoming and growing as disciples of Jesus Christ if we are not a church that places the utmost value on the Word of God. Does that make sense? There is no business for us being called a church of God, a church of Christ. There is, there, that we, we fail in the mission that God gives us to glorify Him by becoming and growing as disciples of Jesus if we fail to value the Bible as utmost. Because it's the word of God that tells us who God is, what he's doing, who we are, what life is about. And so it has to be our highest authority. It has to be our foundation, our driving force, and our fuel. It has to be clearly seen that the word of God is shaping our lives. That it obviously is front and center in all that we say and do in this church. Whether it's from the pulpit, right, the preaching that comes from here, whether it's workshops that we run, training events, whether it's in our fellowship groups, whether it's kids' church, or even in our one-on-one -on -one discipleship with each other, it should be clear 
That is the word of God that is the foundation, the driving force, and the fuel in all that we do. This is not a preference thing. It's not a style thing. It's not that we want to capture the Bible, um, you know, focus end of the Christian market. Every Christian, every church, this is a necessity. It's a non-negotiable. Now, we Bible-believing Christians, we value the Word of God. I think this is one that's not a hard sell. This one most of us get. Maybe it's about whether we apply it and we really let the Bible set the agenda. But what about this next part of our values, which kind of emphasizes the expository preaching and teaching nature of our preaching and teaching? Uh, what, what is this, uh, why is this valued, right? Why is it that we don't value just all kinds of preaching and teaching in its various forms, right? Why don't we just say that? We value the word of God, right? Preached, full stop. Why do we say expository preaching and teaching? Firstly, we need to understand what is expositional preaching and teaching. What does that mean, right? What's the definition? Well, it's actually stated in our core values. Uh, It's a bit technical in the core value statement, right? The author's original intent and meaning should be preserved. Therefore, the shape and emphasis of our sermons match the shape and emphasis of the biblical text. Okay, it sounds like some legal document. Let me put it in simpler language, okay? The main point of a sermon that is preached is the main point of the passage being preached. Okay, that's what it says, right? Uh, or put another way, the, the passage, when it is studied, come, we draw what the point of the passage is, and then it becomes the point that we preach in the sermon, uh, expositional is just a big word that, that has its root called expose, right? It's about exposing what the Bible is saying. It is letting God speak right, through his word. It is letting the Bible, the word of God, set the agenda right, for the message and, and, and for, for where it's headed. And let me ask you uh, some questions about this, right? I mean, it, it makes sense, doesn't it, that if God gives us his word, that he has a point that he's making in each part of it. So take, for example, Genesis 12, I mentioned before, God's promises of blessing to Abraham. Right? When he says, I will bless you, I will make you a great nation, a great name, and through you the world will be blessed. That's the point that he's making, isn't it? That he wants to bless this guy called Abraham, and then through him he will bless the world. Right? It's given in a context to a particular person, it needs to be understood that way. And then when we understand why did God give these promises to Abraham, and we know the story that came before about the curses, then we know that it's to reverse the curse that's fallen on humanity. That if humanity fell with Adam, and we're in judgment and under the curse, then the promise to Abraham to bless him and through his family to bless the world is exactly the point. And the purpose for us reading it is to see that God is someone who makes promises of blessing, and he happens to be someone who keeps them. Because as we read on from Genesis 12, verse 3, we see God fulfilling this promise to bless Abraham. And then through the Bible, we see that he blesses the world through Abraham's seed, Jesus. That's the purpose, right? For us to see that God is a God of promises and God who fulfills them so we can trust God. We can trust his blessings. Now, the same thing happens with the whole Bible, right? It is God speaking. Um, as God speaks through the whole Bible... With all the different authors, there's about 40-odd authors in the Bible, by the way, 66 books, is there a point and purpose to this whole book? Or is it just some random collection of religious, mystical, you know, human, moral stories? No, right? There is a clear point and purpose that God has given us in His Scriptures. 
he does reveal a whole heap of stuff in the Bible about his character and his purposes. He tells us a whole bunch of stuff about particular people and places and events. And we find out in the Bible who we are, what we are like, and what we need. We find out all about God. But really, when you look at the storyline of the Bible, the climax of it all, of God's purposes, is the gospel of Jesus Christ, his son. That all of the plans and promises from the beginning find their fulfillment in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they'll carry on into eternity, that Jesus is at the center. The 66 books of the Bible fit together with this clear point and purpose, that it all points to the gospel of Jesus. Now, we are very, uh, if, you're, if you've ever read your Bible, even bits and pieces of it, you'll know that there are heaps and heaps of stuff in there, heaps of content right, presented in many different genres. You read it, there's like narrative, there's like stories. You see that there is um, historical accounts. We see that there's wisdom literature, there's prophetic writings, right, there's songs, um, there are laws, plenty of laws in there. And they're all making their own points, aren't they? Each passage, written in its own form, in its own context, has a point. But you see, all together, they all feed into the overarching point that God is making through the whole Bible. So expository preaching seeks to expose the point of the Bible passage, chapters, books, understood properly in light of the story of the whole Bible. Right? Expository preaching isn't going through verse by verse or word by word even and giving a commentary, right? In the beginning, okay, so, you know, and then going to tell you what that means. You know, God created the world and tell you that. No, it's right. It's about finding the point of a passage, of a story, right? What is the point of the passage? Not, not a verse by verse or word by word commentary, but about working out the point being made by a passage or a chapter or a book of the Bible and then teaching that point clearly. Now, clearly, this is not what I am doing right now. <sighs> Free it, isn't it? A sermon on gospel-centered expository preaching. I'm not doing, this is not an exposition. I'm not giving you an expositional sermon today. But clearly, if you've been around long enough, this is what we do most of the time. It's about 80% of the time, in case you're wondering, where we, where we exposit passage by passage, chapter by chapter, book by book. And we really believe that preaching and teaching uh, the Bible this way, working through from the beginning to the end of a book, passage by passage, chapter by chapter, is the best way to let God's word speak for itself, to let God set the agenda for what is important about what he wants to say to us. Now, the major alternative to expository preaching is topical preaching. Um, you may or may not know this, but usually in the debates right, of styles, there is exposition and then there is topical. Let me try to explain the difference. Okay? It sounds boring, but it's actually quite interesting. Okay? Listen carefully. Okay? Uh, in expositional preaching, uh, it's a graphic... Uh, I don't know why it keeps messing up my formatting. But anyway, all right. Uh, in expositional preaching... You discover the point of the Bible passage as you study, right? From verses and chapter, passages and chapters in the Bible. You discover the point of the Bible passage, and then it shapes. It becomes the point of the sermon. But in a topical sermon, you choose the topic, right? You, you, dis, you, dis, you, you determine the point of the sermon as the first thing you do. And then you go look for Bible passages, right, to make the point that you want to make. Does it make sense? So in expositional sermons... You study the Bible passage to discover the point it is making, and then you determine the point of the sermon by using the point of the passage. In 
Topical sermons, you determine the point of the sermon, and then you find the Bible passages to fit uh, the point that you want to make, to make the point that you want to make. So let me give you an example, right? It's technical. Let me give you an example. Let's say you want to come up with a topical sermon or a kid's church lesson, which is exactly the lesson they did last week, actually, uh, which is to do with what is the role of the Holy Spirit in being able to know what God wants to say to me? Okay, it's a pretty big question, right? Good question. What is the role of the Spirit right, in being able to know what God wants to say to me? And then you flip through your Bible, you do a word search on Spirit, and then ta-da, right, I found a passage that's perfect. Let me read it to you, right? John 16. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, and he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he, the Spirit, will take what is mine and declare it to you. Perfect passage to explain the Spirit's role in helping me know what God has to say. And the answer, according to this passage, is that the Spirit is the one who will guide me into all the truth. And that uh, the Spirit will take God's word and will tell it, make, make it known to us, even things about the future, right? The things that are to come. And so then, uh, my point is that the Spirit guides believers into all truth, even things about the future, um, directly, right, from God to us. And so the application for this topical sermon would be, to know what God has to say to us, we need to be attuned to the voice of the Spirit. Right? Then you'll know what God wants to say to you, even things about the future. Right? That's what the Bible says, right? However, if you were to work through John's Gospel expositionally, and you start from the beginning, and then you read on, and you realize that chapter 16 is part of a long conversation that Jesus has from chapter 13 all the way to chapter 17. It's his last long conversation with his disciples on the night before he is betrayed, and then he is tried and crucified and dies, right? And in this long uh, five chapters worth of the Bible are Jesus' last words of instruction to give understanding and assurance to his disciples who have been following him for a few years now about what is to come, and then earlier in this conversation, because we've read it expositionally, we had heard Jesus talk about the Holy Spirit before, which I had actually read out to you before, right? John 14, 26. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. I, Jesus, have spoken to you, disciples, 12 disciples, while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then suddenly we realize that this is not about me. This is about the disciples, right? It's about the disciples' ability to pass on Jesus' words. These disciples who were scared like anything and who were like doubting and who were running away as Jesus is, 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 is betrayed and, and, and arrested. These scaredy cat disciples, at this point in time, Jesus is assuring them that they will remember all that Jesus has said and done, that they will be able to understand the events that have happened, that are happening now, and that were about to happen, right? The things in the future, his arrest, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his return in the future, all of that stuff the disciples will be able to understand. Why? Because they'll be given the Holy Spirit to help remember and to record and to teach and preach the authoritative word from God, the direct things of God about Jesus the disciples will know 
and will be able to explain with 100% accuracy because of the work of the Spirit. And so then the point, the expositional point of this passage is, the disciples who became the apostles were given the Holy Spirit to remember, record, and preach the authoritative word of God about Jesus. And the purpose for this passage for us today is that we may have confidence. Right? That we may have confidence in the apostolic word, the New Testament, that it is truly God's word. Right? This is the, the, the purpose of this passage, to have confidence in the apostolic word. Now, this is one example of many, 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 many examples I can show you, right? Where the topical preaching and teaching increases the danger of misunderstanding and misusing God's word. Because the teacher is trying to find verses and uses them to make a point that they want to make, which may or may not be the point of the passage, the, the, the point and purpose that the author of the passage is actually making. Topical preaching is determined by the agenda of the teacher and the preacher. And I think worse still, it is limited by the understanding of the teacher. Right? If it's always topical preaching, then it's only ever what I know and what I want to say to you guys. Or it could be what I think you guys need to hear, right? So I see lots of, you know, maybe I see lots of uh, Asians here, so I just talk about Asian culture all the time. All right, maybe I see lots of uh, women here, and I talk about you know, women and, and, or, or single people or married people or, or people struggling with porn or people struggling with greed or whatever, and I just preach on the same topics over and over again because it's all I know about you guys. Or maybe it's all that I know within myself. It's limited by the knowledge and understanding of the preacher and teacher, but expository preaching exposes all of God's words because we're preaching all of God's words. Now, I'm not saying that all topical preaching is bad because I am preaching a topical sermon right now, aren't I? Uh, I, I have predetermined in this, in this sermon what I want to say to you, that I want to talk about our core value of our church. So let's be clear. I am not saying, uh, in, in saying that we value expository preaching and teaching, we are not saying that topical preaching is bad. But what I am saying that it, it has to be, that expository preaching has to be the foundation and the guard for good Topical preaching, right? Topical preaching can be done well, and when done well, has great value. I hope that, right, that this topical sermon will have great value for our church. The singleness workshop that we had two weeks ago was a topical workshop. Real change Bible study that the international students have done and all the other groups of the church will do is a topical Bible study series. Just for starters, many of you have done that as basic discipleship. That is a topical Bible study, right? But it has to be faithful to scriptures. And how do we know it's faithful to scriptures? How do we know that it's really God's word and really can transform? It is founded and grounded in good exposition of scriptures. That the passages that are used, that are taught in a topical sermon, are understood properly expositionally. Now, expositional preaching helps us to see what God wants to say. He is the one that sets the agenda. It also gives us insight into what is important and not important in God's word, what is of relative importance, right? And so when we do cover topics, which is important to do, when we cover things like doctrine, you know, trinity and grace and Christian living, when we talk about church life and relationships, marriage, singleness, divorce, children, parenting, we, we do all this with expositional basis, letting the, the agenda of God and the importance of those topics be taught in the way that it ought to be from scriptures. 
And so here we at SLE Church, we value expositional preaching and our teaching, and it is our main diet. It's what we emphasize and we do most of the time. The value of, this value of expositional teaching drives us to preach and teach through various parts of the Bible. So I'll just to let you know how it happens, uh, give you an insight. In about October, November every year, Steve and I, Pastor Steve and I will sit down and we will look at the last eight or nine years of sermons that we've preached. All right? And in those sermons, they've been categorized as to different parts of Scripture. Right? Uh, Pentateuch, the first five books, the law, uh, historical writings, major prophets, minor prophets, wisdom literature, New Testament, uh, gospels, uh, letters, and so on. Right? There's about, you know, we've got about eight divisions. Okay? And then we make sure that within a three-year cycle, that we preach, through, uh, one, we preach through at least one book in each of these major sections of the Bible. And then we think about what, hasn't we, what haven't we covered recently, and then we plan the preaching program for the next year. Right, based on the past three years. There's the commitment from the pulpit right, that we will cover the whole council of Scripture. We can't cover every single verse, obviously, in three years, but we want to make sure that you're exposed to the full agenda that God is on about. This value makes, means that we have to be discerning in the materials that we choose. So we do use topical material, but we do have to evaluate them as to whether they use Scriptures expositionally. I've had many Bible study, uh, topical Bible studies in the past where the handling of God's word, right, verses are used out of context. Uh, they're not the point of the verse or the passage at all, or that it gives an emphasis on that topic that God doesn't. Now, this value also drives us to constantly highlight the overarching story of the Bible, right, which is centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, the big errors, I think, in the church teaching is that we use the Old Testament and we directly apply it to us. Right, prosperity gospel teaching really comes out of that, right? Promises made to a particular person or, or people in the Old Testament is then directly applied to us without seeing that the climax of God's story is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is where we lead to our, fi- our second last point for today in the second aspect of our core value, which is gospel-centered, right? Gospel-centered. We, vas- we value gospel-centered preaching and teaching, Because as we read the Bible and as we let God speak through his word, we discover that the storyline, the plot, reaches its climax in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, we we discover that the gospel of Jesus Christ is something that God determined and purposed from before the creation of the world. It is what he is doing in human history and it's where everything will end up. This is where I want you to open your Bibles, right? Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read from Ephesians 1 first and I'm going to read from Revelation 5. Uh, I'm not going to preach through it. I'll take a whole other sermon to get through this amazing passage, but I want you to listen to it carefully and just see how central the gospel of Jesus Christ is to eternity past, human history, and eternity future. Okay, so let me read. Uh, Keep your Bibles open. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, 
things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Can you hear the timing here? The gospel of Jesus Christ, plan and purpose before the creation of the world, being played out in human history, and is where the fullness of time, right, where eternity is headed, all things submitted under Christ. We see God the Father at work doing this, purposing it. We see Jesus Christ as the center of it all, and we see the Holy Spirit as the seal, the one who brings it all together. And just in case we're not convinced, remember Revelation 5, which we preached through this just a few weeks ago. Revelation 5, let me read out this glorious scene right, of heaven about where everything is, is heading, right? what eternity will be like. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, this is Jesus the Lamb, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from, for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. And what is the end of all things, right? All of creation and all of human history, right, pointing towards the fulfillment of God's plans in Jesus Christ, the worship of the Father who's on the throne, and of the Lamb, right, the slain Lamb, the Son. All of God's purposes centered on Christ, culminating in Christ. Now this is why our mission is to glorify God. Because this is where it ends up, right? To glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Our mission is achieved by putting our utmost value on the Word of God, understood through careful exposition that leads people to seeing Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, as the climax of God's purposes and plans, right, the sum total of what God is doing in creation and in human history. That's why we value gospel-centered expository preaching. It's not just a preference. This is a fundamental non-negotiable for us to be able to glorify God. Now, let me finish my final point here. Point five, right? What is the evidence that we truly value God's word? Right? What's the evidence that's true? Well, one evidence is seen in that it's the foundation and the driving force and the fuel of all that we do, that we see that the Bible is open and preached expositionally, gospel-centered from the pulpit, in our Bible studies and fellowship groups, in our one-to-one -one relationships, right? We, we do open the Bible and read it together. Those are good evidences that we value God's Word. We see evidence of it when we see leaders putting in the effort to prepare and to maybe attend training courses and, and retreats, right? To, to grow in their understanding and their teaching of the Bible. They are all good evidences for sure. 
But I believe and I think and I'm convinced that the greatest evidence is actually our worship. The greatest evidence that we value God's word is our worship. The most important evidence is that we are true worshippers of the Father and Son through the Spirit. That we will see lives transformed in SLE Church. We'll see people grow in their desire uh, to give more and more glory to God, to live lives of worship and obedience to Jesus our King, to see our attitudes and our desires and our drives and our behaviors and our words shaped right, by Jesus and His Word and to pursue right, the kingdom and its mission. These are the evidences that show that we truly value God's word because we listen to it and then we respond to it in worship. We live it out. Now, at the beginning of the sermon, I asked, right, when did you first kind of notice that the teaching at SLE was a bit different? Uh, maybe somewhere along the way you have heard, and that's the reason you came, was that we are a good Bible teaching church. And maybe that's what you now would describe SLE as. I guess the question I want to ask is, you know, is that, is, are we happy just to be known as a good Bible teaching church? You know, we're that good Bible teaching church, or that we are even a gospel-centered church? Are we happy to be known as those kind of things? Now, I, I like to be known as those things. I want to be a good Bible teaching church, and I want to be a gospel-centered church, but is that enough just to be known as that? You see, I think if we're only known as that, then I don't think we truly value God's word. Because what I want SLE to be known as through the evidence of our lives is that we are a worshipping church. We are a church that gives glory to God in the way that we live our lives, in the way that we behave towards each other and towards the world, in the way that we are on mission to see people come to know and believe in Jesus, that we are, we are, we are serving each other's spiritual growth as well as loving each other practically and really. This, I think, is really what I want our church to be known as. This is how we really will know that we value the Word of God. I wonder whether that's true of us. I certainly know that we can be growing, right, to be true worshippers as those who are truly obedient to the authoritative, powerful, glorious, good Word of God. Let me pray, and that will happen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God who has spoken to us. That is truly an amazing uh, grace that you have shown us. That we who are creatures and finite and even sinners and rebels, that you would bother to reveal to us who you are and your plans for eternity. We're even more amazed that in your plans you have chosen to include us, that you have chosen to show mercy and grace to us, even though the, the consistent uh, constant uh, approach we take towards you is to dishonor you and to ignore you and to go against you. Yet in your grace, you call us to yourself uh, through your Son. We thank you that you have not kept us in the dark, but that you have so clearly revealed to us your word and your ways, that you've shown us through uh, human authors carried along by your Spirit so that they can speak your words truly, uh, words that we can understand that we're not left with some need to find a mystical or, or, or some kind of a, um, a otherworldly experience to be able to know you, that we can just read, that we can read carefully, we can read expositionally to discover your point, your message to us. We uh, thank you that your plan is so simple, really, 
that all of what you're doing in history and eternity is about your son. So please help us to see this, that the point and purpose of the whole Bible, of your whole revelation to us, of your message to us, is that Jesus is all. He is our king, he's our savior, that all things will be brought under his feet. So we thank you for the clarity of your word to us. And so now we pray that your word will transform us, make us a worshiping community, make us people who will give you glory in the way that we believe in Jesus and live for him. All this we pray in Jesus' name.